Good morning. Welcome to North Park. We're so glad that you're here to worship with us this morning and praise our King. This cool weather, we're just giving God all the thanks and all the glory for it that we're finally in fall and that we're here together ready to worship our King. Take your seats. 
All right, you guys can have it. Oh, you already know that you're going to take a seat. That was fun. Hey, uh, good morning. My name is Jody Mize. I Hi. Oh, you guys are so fun. Um, I love seeing all you guys out here this morning. Thanks for being here. Um, when you walked in, you probably got... Oh, and by the way, if you're watching at home, how's the couch feeling this morning? Uh, okay, I'm a little jealous. Anyway, so you got a bulletin when you walked in this morning. It's full of great information, lots of things inside and out. Um, there's also communication cards in there. There's lots of reasons why this is important. First of all, because, you know, it's your information if we want to contact you and just say, hey, what's up, how's it been? Um, on the back of it, we would love it. If you have something in your life that's really stressing you out, maybe there's something at work, at home, your kids are driving you crazy, um, we want to hear all about your prayers, your concerns, what you need prayer for. The staff prays over this every single week, and sometimes you just need that extra jolt in the middle of it. Yeah, that's right, Lydia. You can clap for that. Um, so you can, uh, if you just need some extra help in the middle of the week, you know that people are going to be praying for you. Put it on the back of the communication cards and then put it in any one of these boxes as you walk out the door. Um, also, if you call North Park your church home, inside is where you put your tithes and offerings. Um, so there's lots of opportunities to serve and connect at North Park. So the first thing, next Sunday, we just have to remind you, it is, what is it, the Two Cities Marathon weekend? So... No church in the morning. Everybody say, yay, sleep in day. Of course, you guys get to sleep in anyway, because this is second service. So, yeah, you guys get to sleep in. Uh, but we are doing an evening service, and it starts at 5 o'clock uh, here at the church, because all of the roads on Shepherd are going to be blocked off, and it's not going to be any fun trying to maneuver your way, jumping fences and scaling walls trying to get here. It just wasn't fun. Uh, so we're going to do it at night. And then afterwards, after the service, we're all going to go over to Mountain Mike's Pizza for dinner together. North Park has a section reserved. You can buy your family dinner while you're there. It can hang out a little little bit and just get together and love on each other a little bit. Doesn't that sound like fun? Also, another way to serve and connect is the Holiday Boutique is next weekend. How many of you, by raise of hands or cheering, have been to the Holiday Boutique before? Yeah, you guys know how extremely fun and exciting and so many things there for Christmas. Like, my sister already knows what she's getting for Christmas because every year I get it at the Holiday Boutique. So uh, it's going to be Friday night or Friday afternoon from 4 to 7 and then on Saturday from 8.30 to 1 o'clock. So make sure you get here. I think you enter on this way and then you weave your way through and you find all the amazing things. There's even food, like cookies and stuff you can buy. Uh, but right now we do have a video I would like you to watch right now. Our movies are going to be so inspiring and astounding that parents will ground their kids if they don't watch them. That means story time! Does that sort of thing happen around here often? We're calling it Bible Backroads. Exploring biblical history. Awesome! This is great! We're going to sing about it. We're going to hear about it. Are you ready to sing? Hey, yeah. yeah! The real people, the places, the events. The story just comes alive. You got it right! Hooray! This will be our most complex film yet. Wait, really? Let's rock! I reckon wherever the good Lord takes you, he's got a plan for you. That's cool. Let's do it together. Okay, how much fun was that? That is part of the Right Now Media that North Park has purchased as a subscription for. And now all of you have the ability to do this. Now, if you wanted to just 
Google this right now, media, and find all that content for your kids, for teens, for adults, for couples, because all couples need a little bit of help every once in a while or all the time, um, then you can access this through the North Park website. You couldn't just Google it and find it on your own, no. So North Park has decided they wanted everybody to have access to this. So you can go to our website at northparkchurch.org, O-R-G. It is safe content for your kids, you guys. If you want to put something on the on the uh, what tablet for your kids and you just want to know that it's going to be good stuff and you don't have to worry about like hovering over their shoulders perfect for that so check it out it's the right now media all right now i want everybody to stand up i have such power with you guys stand up and uh just say good morning happy sunday to somebody around you morning happy sunday happy sunday Acquainted with our sorrow to trade the debt we owe your suffering for our freedom. The Lamb of
for a, a second. You guys can be seated, and we have a, a special testimony this morning. How you doing? Those of you who are at home online, hello. It's good to see you this morning. Um, those of you who have been around Nord Park for a while know that we believe that it's important, even essential, for us as Christians to be involved in our community, to make sure that we're reaching out beyond our far walls to uh, minister to other people. And on, su- on months where there's five Sundays, on the fifth Sunday, for about the last year and a half, we've been highlighting people in our church who are working outside of the four walls here in ministries in our community. We've, uh, we've talked to people who go into schools and read to children. Um, we have talked to people who help with Evangelicals for Social Action, Love, Inc. We've, we, we've covered all kinds of bases. A gentleman who helped them build the church facility over on the, uh, on the west side of town. It's just, it's been phenomenal, the stories we've heard about what Nord Parkers are doing. And we have another one of those today. So Steve, why don't you come on up here? Steve Connor. Steve, uh, I misspoke earlier today and said that he was retired and he was doing this. He pastored for years and he's moved into a new phase of ministry. Does that sound better? Oh, sure. Okay, all right. All right, because he's way too young to be retired or to be contemplating retirement at all. But uh, Steve works for a, a hospice program. And believe it or not, there are a lot of opportunities for each one of us to help in that ministry. So thank you. Steve, tell us what it is, who you work for, and what you do. I work for one of the agencies here in town. It's called Bristol Hospice, and I am a chaplain. Um, For those of you who aren't aware, hospice is a service that's provided to people that have been given a diagnosis of six months or less to live. They often live beyond that, um, but that is the criteria. And so I serve as part of the care team uh, to go out and, and to help those people. Okay, so what are the biggest needs for hospice ministries nowadays? There, uh, it's multifaceted. I, I would say that the first thing, um, when somebody is on hospice, that they they need to really know that they still matter, um, and that people still care for them. Uh, beyond that, our care team is there to to come out and to help them. Hospice, really, the whole idea behind it is anything that you would go out to get uh, when you're healthy, whether it's uh, uh, to go see you know, to see a doctor just for a routine visit or to go to church, all of those things now come to you. And so instead of going out to see a doctor, the nurses come to you. Instead of going to church, if you're unable, then I'm able to go out to someone's home or to the facility where they're at and to minister to them and uh, help with their emotional and spiritual needs. Um, so there's just a, a lot of uh, different needs that people have, but really just to know that they care, that someone's there to help them through the biggest challenge of their life really is when they are at a place where uh, they're facing death. And it's not only for them, um, but it's also to come alongside that family and to let them know that someone cares and someone's there to help support them. Yeah, I've been in people's homes and we've sat with people who had loved ones under hospice care and and those people who come in from hospice who sit with them and even who allow them to run errands and things, they, it's like they become a part of the family if it becomes more long-term. It's a great ministry. How can people in Nord Park get tied into something like that? 
Well, we had a really thriving uh, volunteer program before COVID. And as you know, everything you know, shut down. And so our, we lost a lot of our volunteers. We're now building that back up and it's starting to regain some momentum. But we really need people just to be willing to go and, and help in any way they can. And um, uh, at first, when you hear about hospice, it sounds kind of intimidating because you, you know, you're around someone that is you know, challenged with a huge health crisis. But there's so many different ways you can serve. It can be in our office, making phone calls, following up with families that have already lost their loved one, but just a simple phone call. We like to check on them and make sure they're uh, doing okay. If they need help with grief support, we'll get that for them. Or it might be working in the office, doing some simple filing. Um, or going and sitting with a patient while a family member runs an errand, or maybe you would be willing to go run an errand for that patient, go to Walmart and pick something up that they would like. We had one patient a while back that uh, just loved her garden, and when it began to get filled with weeds, it was something that was really concerning to her. We had one volunteer that loved to do gardening, and so he just simply went by once a week and pulled the weeds in the garden, and it made a huge difference in that lady's life because she was able to see that taken care of. Another thing is um, uh, we have a veteran program. It's called Vet to Vet Cafe, and it's just simply going and sitting, uh, other veterans sitting with fellow veterans and having coffee or visiting with them. Uh, what I have seen is when we work with the vets, um, no one can relate to a veteran like another veteran because you have terminology that no one else knows and you have stories and understandings that no one else knows. And just to go alongside them and visit with them or we have times where we honor them and thank them for their service. Some of them have never been thanked um, for their service. And so to go by and do that is also a huge um, a ministry and an opportunity and a need that we have. Steve will be outside at a table out here if you have any questions about, about uh, helping with hospice. This is a great ministry, especially for those of you who don't have a lot of time, because uh, if you can spend an hour a week or a few hours a week with somebody, it means the world to them. I have... Uh, seen hospice in action, and it is amazing the difference they can make in people's lives. And I've even seen um, relationships made by families with hospice that after the loved ones passed away, the relationship continues on. So uh, we want to pray for Steve and pray for us that God will speak, speak to our hearts. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Steve. We thank you, Lord, because uh, you have placed him in this important ministry. We thank you because you're using him to have an important impact on people's lives and upon families every single day. And Lord, I just can't help but think that there's at least several of us in this room who, Lord, you would speak to our hearts so that we could go out and we could be a blessing in the lives of other people and families. And Lord, especially in those individuals whose time here on the earth is short, that we might be instruments of your hope and of your comfort and of your blessing. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen, thank you, sir. Appreciate it. As we uh, continue in the service, we please stand as we, uh, we have another song.
new song to him who sits on heaven's mercy seat. Worthy is the
that you are holy. Lord, we know that you are. We, we see that it says that in your word, but Lord, may that be our prayer, that you are holy. You were, you was, you is, and you are to come. Lord, we ask that you come down as we prepare our hearts for this message this morning. And Lord, we can gather with creation. We can gather with the angels. And we can sing that you are the King of Kings. That you are our everything. Lord, we ask that you come and change us from the inside out. Lord, don't allow us to leave this setting this morning, whether we're here in person or we're gathering online. Lord, we, we ask that you change us. Allow us to see with your eyes, to hear with your ears. Lord, give us boldness to proclaim that you alone are holy. We thank you for what you're about to do. In your name, amen. You may be seated. Well, good morning again. It is good. Let's wave goodbye to our youth. Goodbye, youth. We love you. Thanks for being with us. Um, we're continuing on today. In fact, not continuing, we're finishing our series today on the book of Acts. Uh, the title of the series has been, It's Not Always Easy Following Jesus, But It's Always Worth It. And today we want to talk about faithful to the end. We want to talk about the last chapter in Acts where it talks about the last recorded um, experiences in the Apostle Paul's life. But as I think about this series, if I think about this verse, the word endurance comes to mind. The word endurance, fortitude, perseverance, persistence, resolution, stamina, strength, one of my favorite words, tenacity, the power of enduring an unpleasant or difficult process or situation without giving in or giving up. When we think of the word endurance, there are certain things that come to our minds. We may think of the word endurance and we may think of somebody running a marathon or somebody finishing a triathlon. I think they still do it. There's a a race they call the Western State 100, where people up in the Sierras, they run 100 miles up and down the Sierras in one day. Those people have endurance. We can also think of somebody who maybe survives a long, long series of chemotherapy treatments for cancer. We look at that person at the end of those trials and we say, man, that person endured to the end. We look at doctors, and they, they display amazing endurance with years of school followed by arduous residencies. I watched my son as he studied um, to take the bar exam, and boy, he spent months and months and months studying for that one test. And I looked at him with admiration, thinking that is a lot of study, and that's a lot of endurance, but now he just calls it the minimum company exam. So, uh, so, but anyway, I think you think of a pastor or a missionary who serves hard and long and faithfully for years with very few results. I was listening to a preacher on the radio on my way here this morning, and he was talking about Noah 
And he was talking about how Noah preached to people for decade after decade after decade, when in the end, there was only a handful of, of them, his family, who boarded the ark and everybody else was destroyed. But yet Noah faithfully proclaimed the word of, the, the word of God and, and faithfully built that ark, even though everyone was making fun of him. He had endurance. Endurance requires persistence and tenacity that drives one toward their final goal or destination. Now, the Apostle Paul demonstrated amazing perseverance. Following Jesus was not always, in fact, it was rarely easy for Paul, but Paul followed Jesus joyfully through it all. He demonstrated endurance. We talked a few weeks ago about the scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 where Paul outlined all the things. Well, we don't even know that this is all the things, but many things that he endured to be faithful to Christ and to follow Christ. Five times he was giving, given 39 lashes with a whip. Now, this wasn't even like, I mean, I can't think of that if a parent even spanked their child with a belt uh, 39 times, they'd probably be going to prison. That is severe. But this was a beating with a whip, with multiple throngs, with, with, with uh, pieces of metal or bone or glass or whatever porn, uh, uh, weaved into it. Some of these hands were put above their heads and front, back, all over. They were given 39 lashes with this. 40 lashes was considered a death sentence. He was also beaten with rods on three occasions. He was stoned one time. He was shipwrecked three times. He spent a whole night and a day adrift at sea. He traveled on many long journeys, at least 7,000 miles worth. And that was, on, that was on foot or on rickety old ships. I mean, they didn't have, it wasn't comfortable travel. He faced many dangers. In fact, he said he faced dangers from rivers, from robbers, from his own people, that's the Jews. He faced danger from the Gentiles, danger in the cities, danger in the desert, and danger on the high seas. And he faced dangers for those who claimed to be, be believers but were really not. They were his enemy and not, his, not, not, not his, his friends. He said that he worked hard and long hours, enduring many sleepless nights. Paul had gone hungry and thirsty and had often gone without food. Paul said that he shivered. He shivered in the cold without clothing to keep him warm. He, he also lived with the daily concern and burden for the churches, caring more about them than he cared about his own comfort or his own condition. It says that there was constant attempts to make him weary, to wear him down, and to lead him astray from human beings and from Satan. But this passage of Scripture is wrapped up with these words. I love this. It said, but Paul did not burn with anger. He faced all of these things without wanting revenge. He faced all of these things without being, without being angry. He faced all of these things because they counted, he counted them a joy because he suffered for the cause of Jesus Christ. 
We also know that Paul had what he called a thorn in his flesh, a messenger from Satan that was sent to torment him. It was always there. And he said, I asked God to remove it three times. And God's response was, no, but my grace is sufficient for you. He thanked God, went on to talk about how he thanked God for his weaknesses because in his weaknesses, God's power was made evident. Now, I don't want you to raise your hands or anything, but how many of us have thanked God this past week for our weaknesses? We've maybe complained to God about our weaknesses, but I seriously doubt we thanked God for our weaknesses. This is an assignment I have for you this week. Begin to think about the weaknesses that you have in your life and begin to ask God to show you how he has how he has used you and your weakness to reach others or ask him how his power can be made evidence in your weaknesses in your life. We talked a few weeks ago about how Paul must have been disfigured and his body racked with pain because all that he had endured. There's no way that it wasn't when we consider all that he had endured. All these beatings, all, all, everything his body had endured. I, this is just my imagination. The Bible doesn't tell us this is the case. But I imagine when Paul entered a room full of people that children looked at his disfigured body and they ran in horror and hid behind their mothers. You couldn't go through all that he had gone through and not be that way. His body must have been racked with pain constantly. But now we come to an end of the biblical account of Paul's life. And I want you to listen to this scriptural account of that and you can follow along on the screens as well. Would you play our scripture for the day? When we arrived in Rome, Paul was permitted to have his own private lodging, though he was guarded by a soldier. Paul preaches at Rome under guard. Three days after Paul's arrival, he called together the local Jewish leaders. He said to them, Brothers, I was arrested in Jerusalem and handed over to the Roman government, even though I had done nothing against our people or the customs of our ancestors. The Romans tried me and wanted to release me because they found no cause for the death sentence. But when the Jewish leaders protested the decision, I felt it necessary to appeal to Caesar, even though I had no desire to press charges against my own people. I asked you to come here today so we could get acquainted, and so I could explain to you that I am bound with this chain because I believe that the hope of Israel, the Messiah, has already come. They replied, We have had no letters from Judea or reports against you from anyone who has come here, but we want to hear what you believe. For the only thing we know about this movement is that it is denounced everywhere. So a time was set, and on that day a large number of people came to Paul's lodging. He explained and testified about the kingdom of God and tried to persuade them about Jesus from the scriptures. Using the law of Moses and the books of the prophets, he spoke to them from morning until evening. Some were persuaded by the things he said, but others did not believe. And after they had argued back and forth among themselves, they left with this final word from Paul. The Holy Spirit was right when he said to your ancestors through Isaiah the prophet, Go and say to this people, When you hear what I say, you will not understand. When you see what I do, 
you will not comprehend. For the hearts of these people are hardened, and their ears cannot hear, and they have closed their eyes. So their eyes cannot see, and their ears cannot hear, and their hearts cannot understand, and they cannot turn to me and let me heal them. So I want you to know that this salvation from God has also been offered to the Gentiles, and they will accept it. For the next two years, Paul lived in Rome at his own expense. He welcomed all who visited him, boldly proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ. And no one tried to stop him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this true historical account about Paul and this whole book, a book of Acts. And, and Lord, this story about the beginning, the founding of your church. And Lord, I pray today that we will, you will give us uh, eyes to see and ears to hear. Might we understand the scripture. Might we understand how it applies to our lives. And might we allow you to change us through your Holy Spirit. And today, Lord, we pray not only for ourselves, but we pray for every church in the Fresno and Clovis area. Praying especially today for Mountain View uh, Church out in Clovis. Pastor Leonard, his wife Esther, and Lord, we pray that you will bless them, and we pray that we'll hear great reports about what you are doing in and through this church. In your name we pray, amen. This is a, a, a fascinating story of Paul's life because we can read it, and this is a true assessment of it. It is a great story of victory. It's a great story of triumph. But we can also read the story of Paul's life and we can see it as a great life of hardship, a life of uncertainty. Paul faced continued uncertainty when he got to Rome. Paul went to Roman chains to await his trial before Caesar. We talked about this last week. Paul was accused of, uh, by the Jews of rebelling against the Roman Empire and, and, uh, and, and, and the Romans were gonna turn Paul over to the Jews, let them deal with them like they wanted. And Paul's saying, they're just gonna, they're gonna execute me. So I appeal to Caesar, which he could do as a Roman citizen, which meant he needed to be tried before Caesar. So the good news is Paul avoided being handed over to the Jews. The bad news was Paul was handed over to the Roman authorities and he was taken into captivity and taken to Rome. We, read, we talked about that difficult trip that they had last week about how the seas were unfavorable and then there was a storm and the boat was destroyed and they were shipwrecked on the island of Malta and a snake came out, a poisonous snake bit Paul and he shook it off in the fire and they had to wait three months before they could get another boat and it took them a long time to get to Rome but when they got to Rome and the, the, the journey was finally over, that's where we find ourselves today. But once he got to Rome, Paul didn't know how long this would take. He didn't know if he'd see Caesar immediately or if it'd be months or if it would be years. As we see in our scripture today, it was two years and he still hadn't seen, uh, he still hadn't seen Caesar. He also didn't know what his final verdict would be. His final verdict could have been execution. His final verdict could have been be him being set free. He didn't know what it would be. It was a time of uncertainty. He had no idea what the future would hold 
for him. And although he was given permission to live in a house that he rented for himself while under constant guard, he didn't know how long that would last. He could have been taken from that home and thrown into prison at any moment. He didn't know what the future held for him. There was great uncertainty. Now, we have a tendency in the United States of America now, we have a tendency to plan out our lives with great certainty, don't we? We all do. When we're younger, we say, this is the university I want to go to. This is where I want to go to school. Or some decide, this is the trade that I want to go into. And we plan that out. We plan out what our major will be because we have a dream. We have a desire to go into a certain career and to succeed at that career. We think ahead toward marriage and toward family, and we try to plan that, and we try to map that out in our lives. I'll never forget, I had just graduated from from college, and this was so out of character for my father, but I remember like it was yesterday, we were driving down uh, the, the 101 freeway in the Bay Area, and we're driving down this freeway together, and I remember saying, son, you're out of college now, you might want to think about finding a girl and making her your wife. And that kind of shook me. I didn't know why this doesn't really sound like him. And then he said, and remember, son, it's just as easy to fall in love with a rich girl as it is a poor girl. <laughs> Which he was right. But, uh, but so I ended up, I married my wife for her money. She married me for my looks, and we both got gypped. But anyway... <laughs> We plan ahead for those things. We look ahead. We try to plan our lives out with certainty. We invest in the future. We plan for our retirement. We try to map things out in our life step by step by step. If you're here today, did your life turn out exactly the way you thought it would when you were 18? No. Life has a way of throwing curveballs. Life has a way of dictating to us, rather us dictating to life. The truth is that none of us know what the future will hold. I've got news for you. A secure and planned, as secure and planned as your future may be, there's no guarantees for tomorrow. I cannot tell you how many Couples I've talked to who they did nothing. They saved and they saved. And they said, when we retire, we're going to travel. When we retire, we're going to move to the coast. When we retire, everything is going to be great. Only to retire and one of them gets sick or one of them dies. And all the dreams, all the plans that they had, they all disappear. They don't turn out like they thought they would. Death, death is unavoidable and unpredictable for all of us. My roommate from college, one of my best friends, he was one of the most naturally fit and healthy guys you would have ever met. You, he looked like a guy out of one of these muscle magazines, but he never had to work out. He, he, could, he could jump flat-footed from the ground on top of a tabletop, no, no problem. Everything about him was fit. Everything about him echoed health. He went to bed when he was 50 years old and never woke up. Dropped dead like that. 
healthiest person I've ever seen. Death is unavoidable and it's unpredictable. Retirement may not be all that it's cracked up to be for you. I had a man tell me recently, he said, man, don't, don't retire. He said, I just retired. It's just not what it's cracked up to be. And he's bored and he was looking for things to do with his life. Your family plans may not go the way you expected them to go. Family may not care for you the way you thought they were gonna care for you. Family may not care about you the way they thought they were gonna care about you. Family may make decisions that disappoint you. You don't know how those things are gonna work out. Your life is totally uncertain. James chapter four, verses 13 and 14 says this. Look here, you who say, today or tomorrow we are going to a certain town and we'll stay there a year. We will do business there and make a profit. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. It is here for a little while, then it's gone away. A lot of people in a lot of parts of the country don't really understand that passage of Scripture. But we know what that's like. The fog can appear in the morning. You cannot be able to, you can, you can hardly see in the morning. Doesn't seem like it's as bad as it used to be around here, but we still get fog. But even when there's fog, there's the opportunity of having a cloudless day of sunshine later in the day. Why? Because the fog disappears as quickly as it comes. Our lives, like Paul's life, are uncertainty. But in spite of uncertainty, Paul continued to pursue his calling. Now, Paul's home incarceration in Rome could have been the perfect time for him to kick back and relax a little. After all, he had lived a full and even a punishing life. Paul could have gotten that place in Rome and thought, well, okay, I'm renting this house. I'm semi-comfortable. I got these stinking guards watching me all the time. I got no privacy, but, but you know what? I can, I, maybe I should just kick back and relax. These guards can go with me. I can travel around Rome and I can see all the sights. And that's what, anybody been to Rome here before? Fascinating place. But I wonder sometimes, what did it look like in its glory days? What did it look like before time made things erode and began to collapse? It must have been a magnificent place. Paul could have said, I'm gonna take in the sights and the sounds. I'm gonna check out the, 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 the local restaurants that are good. I'm just gonna enjoy life. There's gonna be days I'm just gonna sit here and I'm gonna do nothing and I'm just gonna twiddle my fingers all day and it's gonna be wonderful. But he didn't do that. The Bible says that he spoke to large groups of people. He spoke to small groups of people. He hung out with anyone and everyone who would show up at his house. He continued to pursue his calling of telling people about Jesus, of helping people grow in their relationship with Jesus. Paul also wrote letters to the churches. We know them now as the prison epistles, Ephesians, Colossians, and Philippians, as well as personal correspondence. 
He was involved with the local believers. And in Philippians 1.13, we're told that he witnessed to the entire palace or the entire Roman guard. Paul didn't step back. Paul didn't see that as an opportunity to slow down, but Paul continued to pursue the calling that Christ had on his life. And as Paul continued to serve Jesus in this diminished capacity, Paul determined that he would press on. Philippians chapter three, verses 12 to 14, says, I don't mean to say I have already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. I like to think of Paul this way. Paul didn't have any give up in him. There was no give up in Paul. There was only a let's move forward. There was only a tenacity in him to keep living and keep pursuing the calling that Jesus had given to him. He never viewed his race as being over. Life and serving Jesus were synonymous to Paul. They could not be separated. Remember, it was Paul who penned these words, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Paul never lived on his past victories or his past laurels. It was never like, oh, remember when I was back there in Ephesus and where all these people accepted the Lord and God did all these things and God used me. Oh, those were the good old days. I, I, I'll, I'll say because I have a tendency to say them too. Friends, there's no such thing as the good old days. Don't waste your time on the good old days. Number one, the good old days weren't good for somebody else. They may have seemed that way for you. And the second one is when we talk about the good old days, it gives us a tendency to live in the past rather than press on towards the future. Anytime I say the good old days, I, I, it just hits me anymore that I'm saying, okay, let's just stop here and let's be still and let's just finish. We can't depend on the good old days. He never rested on past laurels or past victories. He never saw himself as one who had achieved perfection. He recognized that there was always a work that God wanted to do in him or through him. His interest was always in the continued growth in his relationship with Jesus and his continued usefulness for Jesus. Paul viewed the end of the race to be death and receiving his heavenly rewards. Paul said, I'm not through until the day I drop dead and I'm transferred into the presence of Jesus and I hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. There was no give up in him. Paul didn't retire or even slow down. Paul lived with purpose. Paul wrote and lived by these words in Galatians chapter six. Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. 
Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. Did you hear that? Let us not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we don't determine it, God determines it, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. We need to live our lives for Christ with endurance, with perseverance, with tenacity. We live in a world where people, people work frantically in order to quit the race and retire young. Some people even choose their career or their job opportunities based upon the retirement plan. Now, I'm not slamming anybody who's retired. If you're fortunate enough to be retired, I wanna beg you to mentally and spiritually not work-wise, mentally and spiritually, never retire, but refire. Never retire, but refire. Jesus has a plan for you. My wife says that she'll, she's never gonna retire. She wants to work till the day she dies, to which I say, good, I've grown accustomed to a certain lifestyle. So, <laughs> so keep Keep it up, honey. More power, more power to you. But we're all we're all different in that. But mentally and spiritually, never retire, but refire. Jesus has a plan, and it has nothing to do with you playing golf every day. That's what heaven's for. It's <laughs> it's not about watching every sporting event on the sixteen ESPN channels. Your life's not even about going to all your grandchildren's activities. Jesus has created you for and giving you the gifts and the passions that you possess so that you can use them for his purposes. Who knows, maybe the purpose for Steve Connors being here today and sharing with us about hospice care Maybe that was a divine appointment for you because that's something God wants you to do. The point is God has something for all of us to do. He doesn't want us sitting on the sidelines. If you're young, even if you're in the busiest work and family time of your life, and I know some of you are, even if you're so, so busy, I want to encourage you Discover what Jesus wants you to do and do something for him now and continue to do it for the remainder of your life. As a pastor, probably the most rewarding thing for a pastor who's been at a church for a long time is when I see people, young people who are part of families that were committed to getting their children to church all the time. Church became an important role of their life. They learned usually in the youth group through radical sabbatical or something. They learned about serving Christ and their opportunities and responsibility to serve him. 
and they've plugged into ministry and they've gotten into ministry and they've gone through school and they've graduated from college and they began their own family and they're still involved in serving Christ. Ministry, serving Christ, has become a part of their lifestyle. So whether we're young or whether we're old or whether we're in the middle, we need to recognize that Jesus is not finished with us. He has something left for us to do. Like Paul said, press on. Don't give up. Don't let discouragement hold you down. Serving Jesus is not always easy, and sometimes it's exhausting, but it's always worth it. And then comes the question, what happened to Paul after the end of Acts? There's no direct information in the Bible about what happens to Paul after the end of Acts. But from what First and Second Corinthians and Titus and church tradition tells us, many scholars surmise that, that, that Paul was released from prison after those two years and then actively evangelized for about another five years before eventually being beheaded by Nero. Um, that's probably how Paul's life ended. But we do know this. Paul never, ever, ever gave up. One of, the most, one of the most remembered and revered speeches of Winston Churchill was this. Got up from his seat, said, never, ever, ever give up. Went back to his seat. And it's one of the most famous speeches that he ever gave. And it's probably the length of sermon that many of you wish this pastor would speak. <laughs> but, but what do we know about Paul? We know that Paul ran his race. He lived his life. He served Jesus with great endurance, even when it wasn't easy. Questions we need to ask ourselves. Am I running the race or am I sitting on the sidelines? Am I pressing forward or am I sitting still or am I even moving backwards? Do I consider the prize that awaits in heaven or am I content, apathetic, or even bitter? Let's pray. Jesus, you created us with a great purpose. Lord, we see your purpose for us in your scriptures. We sense your purpose in us through your Holy Spirit. Lord, we recognize that potential through the passions and the gifts, the desires that you have given us. And Lord, I just pray that this will be a day, a day for all of us when we'll recognize that our life matters to you and that you have a purpose for us to live out and help us to realize that somebody else's life even will be cheated if we ignore the tasks that you have for us. So this morning we just say take us, we say use us, we say guide us into that place, that place of purpose where you want us to live. In your name we pray, amen. Would you stand as we close with this final song this morning?
You give life, you are love, you bring light to the darkness. You give hope, you restore every heart that is broken. You give life. You give life. You are love. You bring light to the darkness. You give hope. You
you this morning. We are in awe of your greatness, God of your goodness. It is who you are, Jesus. It is your very nature. It's your very character. It calls us into deeper relationship with you. You are nothing but good and you can only be good. When things around us seem like the world is crashing, God. You are our hope and you are our stay and you are our constant. You never change, God. You were there in every season, in every trial. And we thank you for that today, God. We thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness. God, be with us as we go that we would be the lights that shine out in this dark world for Jesus. We thank you for this time together. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless you as you go. We'll see you next Sunday night for our evening service.